0: Baby, <laughs> baby, That's a good thing we are closer to friday than we were on monday a uh, little bit of rain later tonight a little bit of rain tomorrow clear out friday looks like maybe some on the weekend uh major rain probably sunday into monday and then it did clear out again but uh not as many dry days as we've had in the past so uh you want to keep uh keep that in mind All right, got a good show for you today. Uh, Coming up in the next half hour, Phil Kirpin's going to join us, and uh, Phil's been on the show many a time. He's one of those guys that that, uh, talks about the truth even when it's, uh, you know, how do we put it, uncomfortable. And he's written a new article, and I've asked him to come on today to talk about it. Uh, called COVID and the uh, the Illusion of Control. Uh, it's a really good article. Uh, I'll make sure that Elizabeth gets it, and she'll post it on my uh, Facebook account so that you can uh, uh, read it yourself from beginning to end. I'll, I'll hit the highlights with, uh, with Phil. But uh, the, the main point that Phil makes, and by the way, Phil is the president of American Commitment, uh, is that, We all like to think that we're in control, and we do a whole lot of things that says to people we are in control. Governors do it all the time, and they've been doing it here for the last uh, months by, you know, closing down businesses. And uh, who was it? Uh, Biden just the other day said that he's looking at um, making it nearly you got to show that you've had a shot. If you want to go to um, some states that are, quote, hot zones, that you have to show you had the uh, inoculation. So I guess, uh, you know, we're going to have some kind of card uh, that we're going to get as of right now. That's what we're to uh, assume uh, that shows that you've been inoculated for COVID-19. But is any of that really working? And the answer is not really, and we'll talk about that coming up in the next half hour. Uh, a respiratory virus like what uh, nineteen is uh, is like nearly impossible to stop, um, and uh, we'll talk we'll talk about it and what the CDC is saying and what the WHO is saying, and this is the stuff that they've been saying that the media has not been telling you. I mean, they've not talked about it. And uh, we want to talk about it today with Phil. It's a good good article, and uh, we'll talk about it and uh, get some 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 facts, and that's the key. You need to have the facts. But if you're a young person, if you're young, you know, you're young, fairly young, uh, your chances of dying from this uh COVID-19, adults aged 50 to 70, the CDC best estimate for the survival rate is 99.5%. Ages 20 to 50, it's 99.98%. And for children and young adults under age 20, according to the CDC, the survival rate is 99.997% which is far less dangerous than even the seasonal flu. Uh, and uh, this this new uh, COVID-19 they've been talking about uh, transmits easier, but has far fewer casualties than COVID-19, you know, 1.0, so to speak. So we're going to get into that and talk about it. It's important. Uh, that everybody you know comes to grips with this whole thing that the people that are most uh, in a in a in a a problem as far as dying from this uh, disease from this uh virus are people that are very elderly and whose immune systems are compromised and who are you know have a chronic health problem like myself you know i've got i've got type 2 diabetes that ups my chances of uh, of getting uh this virus and dying from it just you know so we can be sure i mean my my brother who passed away a few months ago was 83 years old and um his blood sugars were basically not well maintained uh he got the virus, as his wife did as well. His wife is not type 2 diabetic. She survived. He did not. And I miss my brother. But, you know, I don't think shutting down the economy would have saved him. I just don't, I mean, Indiana wasn't, Oh, you know, uh, as a state, they had their covid-19 restrictions as well didn't keep him from not getting getting the the disease now i don't know if if john was wearing a uh, a mask all the time or not uh i really don't i never talked to him about that part of it uh i know my brother well enough that i can tell you that he would have taken exceptions to people telling him he had to wear a mask so um Just know that probably not. It's going to be interesting. Biden today, of course, is going to be uh, sworn in as our president. And we will hear what he has to say about what he wants to do. But always remember that the illusion of control does not mean you have things under control. All you have is an illusion of control. So... Uh, we're going to talk about that with Phil here in uh, in just a few moments. So they're getting ready for the uh the swearing in today in DC and uh I was reading a little bit about it and uh let me give you a, a breakdown on this. Uh the pandemic and security concerns are spoiling the event. The uh, people who are running the event are telling the public not to come. They'll even show up. Uh, people who will be there, uh, Vice President Pence will attend. Uh, former President Trump will not. Uh, I thought uh, Trump's uh, farewell address yesterday was done well. I thought uh, he had a lot of good things to say. And uh, I think that he... He went out uh, uh, passing on the power as smoothly as possible. Uh, The pandemic security concerns are spoiling the event. Uh, Looking at uh, what Fox News is reporting on that. How many people will attend the ceremony in person? Uh, we've already told you that, you know, Pence is going to be. The inaugural committee is, quote, strongly encouraging people not to attend the event in person and to instead tune in to the virtual live stream. Viewing stands will not be made available. While dinners and balls have also all been canceled. Official tickets, see, this is the illusion of control. Uh, official tickets to inauguration events are typically distributed by congressional offices free of charge. During a typical year, members usually receive about 200000 to give out to constituents. Uh, USA Today reporting that this year members are limited to tickets for themselves and one guest, which means no tickets will be available for uh, you know, if if you're one of their constituents, you can't get a ticket. Overall, the Washington Post estimated that around 2,000 people will attend the event, including 200 VIPs or families of the president-elect and vice president-elect, congressional leadership, and several diplomats. Uh, USA Today says the estimated attendance will be several thousand. Back uh, in 2009, more than 500,000 people were there at the inauguration. While President Trump will not be among the attendees, many other high-profile leaders will be there, including former Presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton, in addition to their wives, former First Ladies Michelle Obama, Laura Bush, and Hillary Clinton. Meanwhile, about 25,000 members of the National Guard are streaming into Washington from across the country, at least two and a half times the number for previous inaugurals. Celebrities, including Jennifer Lopez and Lady Gaga, are expected to perform. The 25,000 National Guard troops coming into Washington are undergoing an FBI vetting process as officials worry about a potential inside attack on the inauguration following the siege on Capitol Hill earlier this month. Secret Service in charge of security, but there's a wide variety of military and law enforcement personnel involved, ranging from the National Guard, the FBI, to Washington's Metropolitan Police Department, U.S. Capitol Police, and the U.S. Park Police. So that's what Washington, D.C. is looking about. Think about that. If 25,000 military are there, That's just National Guardsmen. That's not counting everybody else that is there supposedly to protect everybody that's there. Uh, Only 2,000 people are attending. Can you say overkill? But it is the illusion of control. So uh, keep that in mind. It's uh, 17 after 6 on a Wednesday. They're still looking for healthy volunteers for the COVID-19 vaccine research study Uh, the study is still enrolling right now Uh, if you want to help them research this COVID-19 virus and uh, AstraZeneca is in their phase three and would like to get through it and be able to market their vaccine you can participate in the clinical trial Uh, you're going to have access to no-cost study-related care You'll also have the opportunity to help advance COVID-19 research. There's no insurance required to take part. And if you're an adult and you're in good or stable health, you may be able to qualify. So how do you get in? Well, if you're interested in learning more, you can call a number or you can go online. Call the number 501-954-7822. This should be in, this should be burned into your gray matter by now. we've been talking about this now for months five oh one nine five four seventy eight twenty two and on the line it's the letter C, the number nineteen vaccine dot com We'll be back. We'll talk more about the inauguration here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, we just have a few moments before we get to the news at the bottom of the hour. Phil Kirpin from uh, the President of uh, American commitment joining us in the next half hour. And then in the seven o'clock hour uh, at seven Oh five, we'll be joined by Congressman French Hill. And we'll talk to him about a variety of things like uh, inauguration day, what to expect during the Biden administration's first 100 days, uh, the paycheck protection program reopening and the big tech censorship of conservatives. And we'll talk to, uh, Bruce Westerman, Congressman of 4th District will be talking to him after we talk to Congressman Hill. Uh and Congressman Westerman will join us at 7:35. So that's what's still coming up uh this morning just so you'll know. So what can we expect today? Uh, after uh Biden is sworn in, uh word is he'll sign 17 executive actions and orders in the first hours of his presidency. The moves are expected to restore a number of Obama-era policies and reverse some of what the Biden team calls the, quote, gravest damages of the Trump administration. Biden is expected to sign the executive actions from the Oval Office on Wednesday afternoon after the inauguration, which is set to lay out, quote, his forward-looking vision for his presidency, Uh, said uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Uh, He wants to roll up his sleeves, get to work as quickly as possible, and uh, overturn the work of his uh, predecessor, President Trump, to fulfill his goal of moving, quote, the country forward. In his first actions as president, Biden is said to roll back and reverse a number of Trump's policies and directives. And, and this is why it's important that you don't just sign executive orders, that you have you come up with policies that both sides in uh, the, uh, the Congress and the Senate can agree upon so that you can pass laws. Because if you don't, then every four years, as we're going to see, we're going to get just it's like driving down the highway and you're driving at 70 miles an hour and then suddenly you slam on the brakes and throw the car into reverse and head back the other way not good for the car not good for the transmission and not good for the country biden's going to declare an immediate termination of funding for the border wall construction uh several of his uh people who are wanting to be part of his cabinet and looking to be you know cleared, confirmed uh, by the Senate have already said that if if you are someone from another country and you're trying to come into this nation and you've been here since January 1st, you're going to be granted citizenship. We're talking a huge amnesty and I mean a huge amnesty and uh, the president-elect said that uh, he's going to move away from the aggressive immigration enforcement of the Trump era Um, as I just told you the the Biden team said that the move will allow for the Department of Homeland Security and other agencies to set quote civil immigration enforcement policies Sounded like to me there's not going to be much enforcement of anything that best protect the American people, unquote, quote, and that are in line with our values and priorities. Biden administration is going to have a very different approach to regional migration. uh, Said uh, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, adding that there will be, quote, a special emphasis to address the root causes of migration in the region, Now, what are the root causes for all these people wanting to come into the United States? It's because we're a welfare state. These people are hoping in many places in Mexico and Central America, I'll be the first to admit they have, uh, you know, uh, governments that are completely corrupt. I don't know how much more corrupt they are than ours. Ours is pretty corrupt, as we've seen over the last few months in a few years but uh, the key is is that uh, you know we still shower people with uh, what take care of paying for part of their housing or all of their housing Uh, we give them uh, free food we give them free medical care we give them free education and with all of those things that we give them that are free and they're not free that's the key to remember on anything that they say is free it's not free you're paying for it if you are a taxpayer you're paying for it whatever is coming out of your paycheck every every week every two weeks every month whatever it is uh, that is money that's being used to uh, fund these programs so uh, just keep that in mind Sullivan added that Biden was, quote, committed to rebuilding the nation's asylum system. Notice he did not say immigration system. He said asylum system. Neither party has done enough to rebuild the immigration system. I mean, if you want to make, you know, if you want to come up with a different way for people to become citizens, I'm all for, let's hear all the ideas, let's debate them, and then let's put them in the law. Because what we got right now is just a mishmash of a whole bunch of crap that just doesn't work. But nobody wants to really grab the bull by the horns and and try to make uh, a difference in this part of it. I mean, we've talked about that for years on my show, over 20 years that I've been here In uh, central Arkansas, we've talked about this. We've had some of the best scholars who have talked about it. But nothing ever gets done. Biden is also set to preserve and fortify the Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That's the DACA program, which allows people who came to the United States as children to request deferred immigration enforcement and work authorization for a renewal period of two years. Uh, Next, Biden is set to sign an executive order that will put an end to Trump's Muslim ban, which Sullivan said was rooted in religious animus and xenophobia, and no, it wasn't. It was coming from Muslim countries that were known to be actively terrorist countries. So that's just a couple of things that you can expect. You know, I've been talking uh, for many, many months about retirement, and like I said, You want to make your money live longer than you do. Last thing you want to do is be alive and all the money you save for retirement is gone. That's not a good way to be. Well, David Lucas Financial has a brochure for you called The Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist. 31 questions that you should answer to make sure that you are online for your retirement. Now, if you're 50 years old... uh, or older you need to be getting this and uh, following its uh, directions and if uh, you call today be one of the first 10 people to call get this absolutely free just go to 501-222-3315 or davidlucasfinancial.com and they'll make sure you get a copy of this and you'll answer all these questions and if you don't answer all of them eh, you can get away with maybe missing a couple of them but if you miss let's say a quarter of them, I'm just making, I'm pulling that off the top of my head, all right? Uh, you could see your retirement get off the rails, and that's the last thing you want to do. So learn how to make sure your money outlives you instead of you outliving your money. The ultimate retirement planning checklist, are you ready to retire from David Lucas Financial? And, of course, David Lucas Financial is uh, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, let's get with Phil Kirpin. Phil is here. He's the president of American Commitment. He's written a very good article uh, about uh, COVID-19. And I like how this was titled, uh, Phil. Good job. COVID and the illusion of control. And and that's exactly what's been going on in our country now, for nearly a year, is this illusion of control. Uh, if we had complete control, we have we would have completely stopped this virus, correct?
3: Yeah, you would think so. We've certainly tried to just about everything anyone can think of. Um, and something really interesting happened just a couple of days ago. Uh, California which has done every single thing that every so-called expert has said you should do. Uh, they've locked things down, shut small businesses uh, for months and months and months on end, shut down all the schools, locked people up, uh, you know, basically for nine months. California now has more total cases since this thing started, cumulative, per capita, per population, than Florida that's been wide open for months. Yeah. Now, how do they explain that? How do they explain that?
0: They can't, and they they don't even try. I mean, look, you had Como, who's been shutting everything down in New York. Suddenly says, "Hey, look, we got to get the restaurants reopened again. We got to get back to normal again. Uh, we can't just, or we're not going to have anything to go back to." The mayor of Chicago said the same thing. Here's – let me let me. If I was in PR, it used to be when I was in the military and I was a public relations guy uh we used to have a thing called the captain what the captain meant to say and it, they were interviewing pilots after they'd gone on a bombing mission and the and the uh the uh, uh pilots were saying yeah we went in we destroyed the enemy we got the you know maybe the gooks or whatever you know and, and then the 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 public affairs guy would step forward and say what the captain meant to say <laughs> okay was this and, and it was a joke, but it's true. I mean, look, what Cuomo really meant to say is we're going to reopen the restaurants and everything because Trump's not going to be president anymore. I mean, that's, well, I
3: don't know anything that's changed other than the political circumstance.
0: That's it. That's it. I mean, it's ridiculous. And if it, people cannot see through that. You're you you're you're willingly blind. You really are. You you get into this article and I love. You know, what people don't like about hearing about this virus is the facts. They don't want to hear about the facts. And that's what you give in about, I guess, paragraph three through about seven, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, we're looking at here. It says COVID is a relatively mild infection. People don't want to hear that. But that's the case for adults ages 50 to 70, where I fall in line, by the way. The CDC's best estimate for the survival rate is 99.5%. For ages 20 to 50, it's 99.98%. And for children and young young adults under age 20, according to the CDC, the survival rate is 99.997%, which is even less dangerous than flu. But nobody wants to hear that, Phil. How come? What? Had had the me- the media did their job well. They scared the living bejeebies out of everybody.
3: Well, yeah, what they think is, they think you know people are too dumb to tell the truth. This is what the you know the politicians and the public health officials think. They think you know, if we don't say, scare the heck out of everyone, then no one's going to take this seriously, and all the old people who are vulnerable, uh, they're going to die from it. And that's the exact opposite of the truth. If you tell people factual, honest information, they, they will make better decisions and they will protect truly vulnerable people more than if you tell them overhyped, inaccurate things that they then see with their own eyes are inaccurate and then they don't trust you on anything. And so I think the whole public health communication strategy has been horrendous. Uh, this is a very, very dangerous virus for a, uh, you know, for people who are at risk, and those people are essentially people who are very old or medically frail. And right. we we know who we we know who they are. Uh, and the idea that you're going to protect them by locking down all of society doesn't do them any favor, because what it does is it keeps the whole thing going and around for a lot longer than it needed to be. Uh, if we had sort of you know, told people who are truly vulnerable to sort of lock themselves down and take themselves out of circulation for a couple of months and the rest of us had gone on business as usual, I think we all would have passed it around and then they could have come out and it would have been over a lot sooner than doing it the way we've done it. Uh, now, of course, though, we have a much, much better option than even that, because we have the vaccine. And the key thing is not to waste the vaccine on people who are young and healthy and not at risk should they get the virus. It's to use the vaccine because we have limited supplies on people who are vulnerable, which basically means, you know, above age 70 or medically frail. And, you know, if we focus that, we have enough supply to do that pretty quickly. uh, Unfortunately, most states have not focused it very well. Florida is doing a good job. Tennessee is doing a good job. A few other states are doing a good job, but most states, are vaccinating mostly young people, and by the way, Arkansas is not even putting out their age data, so I can't tell you how they're doing on that. Um, but the state—what <laughs> a, yeah. yeah. a big surprise!
0: What uh, a big surprise! Even though we get a Republican governor, I've—I've, I've, you know, my whole thing has been, all right, the illusion, as you said, of uh, you know protection that the governor, the government, is trying to say that they're giving uh, to people in our state, and on top of that. The this is not an illusion, but the power grab that we're getting yeah. from these government uh, governors in these states, whether they're Democrat or Republican. Now, most, A lot of the Republican governors are the ones that are are uh, reacting to this in a much more freer way than what the uh, Democrats did uh, uh, about it. But let's talk about something else, because uh, about this article that you have, uh, you talk about uh, several studies show now that exposure to young children actually reduces the risk of COVID death in adults, presumably because the many childhood bugs they carry help build up a strong immune system. Yet at our writing uh, or your writing of this article, most schools in the United States are either closed or doing all kinds of a spaghetti dance about Go to school three days a week and don't go to school on this day of the week and be on the internet or or whatever. And this is not necessary. And what teachers unions have been saying is, well, the kids can give it to the teachers. The bottom line is, not so much are some people getting it and are some people getting really sick. Yes, it's the nature of the virus. It's the same way with flu. Thousands of people die of the flu every year here in the United States.
3: Most years, although not this year, because COVID seems to have displaced the flu. Uh, We've got, you know, flu cases are down 99%, which is like the most uncovered story of the whole year. Uh, And, you know, the interesting thing about that is flu is significantly more dangerous for children than COVID is. And so we now we've got COVID basically instead of the flu which, if you think about it, makes this kind of the safest winter for children ever, because the virus that normally kills, you know, three or four hundred children every year is 99 percent gone, and its replacement virus kills, you know, 100 children a year, 150, uh, I think the number ended up being so. Uh, In a sense... It's actually safer this year for children than usual because the more dangerous virus is mostly gone you know from there for them, obviously for old people uh Covid's much more dangerous, but but for children, flu is more dangerous. So that replacement actually makes it safer than usual. And uh, as you mentioned there from the article, we've now got three studies. You know, I mean, yeah, there are a million studies out there, so you don't have to believe something just because there's studies. But to me, it makes sense. Uh, we've got three studies, including a really big one from the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, where they looked at, I think, 12 million uh, people. And basically, the, the study shows that if you're around children, they basically they compared families with children to families without children. Uh, if you're around children, you are at less risk for severe disease uh, with COVID, Which so you might catch it, uh, but you're less likely to be hospitalized or die from it. Your immune system is more likely to mount an uh, effective response to it if you have exposure to children, and I mean, this makes total sense to me, I and mean, teachers have some of the best immune systems around. People who have been teaching for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, they're like tanks, where, you know, I mean, they've been exposed <laughs> to every single germ there is out there. That's true. And, and so, you know, they're, you know, as much as the unions are freaking out about how, you know, they can't possibly do their job compared to, you know, all the other people who are back at work, it's actually backwards, in my opinion, they're, they're less likely to be harmed because they have stronger immune systems, or at least they used to. I don't know. They've been sitting home for a year. They might have weakened them. But uh, under normal circumstances, they they have some of the best immune systems out there.
0: Well, let me ask this question, Phil, because I've always wondered this. They closed the schools down, but they still have uh, child care centers that are open. And I would think that those people, if anybody was going to get a disease, would be the workers in a child care center. But I'm not hearing about... An overarching death rate in child care centers
3: there have been very very few cases. Uh, there was I think one child care center in Utah that had a pretty significant outbreak and uh, you know the, the media and the CDC hyped that and so forth. but I mean the, the, the real story in all of this stuff schools and child care centers and, and even restaurants and you know uh, you know other businesses for that matter is kind of the dog that didn't bark. the rarity. Of any of these kinds of outbreaks, I mean, the truth is, uh, mo- almost all of the transmission is occurring in homes and in healthcare settings, uh, and that's really in you know, long-term care homes and in uh, people's private residences and in uh, you know hospitals and other healthcare settings. That's where almost all of the disease spread is. Um, but you know, you can't lock. Home's up. People have either yep. place to, you know, I mean, you can't lock up, you can't close down the hospitals. And so, you know, the politicians close the things they can close, not because it's actually effective, but because they want to feel like they're doing something.
0: I agree. Phil Kirpin is our guest. President, American Commitment, talking about an article uh, he has just written. It came out yesterday uh, dealing with COVID-19. We'll finish up our conversation here in a moment. Right now, let me remind you about Hillcrest Jewelry. You may not have to worry about dying from COVID-19 if you don't come through on Valentine's Day. I'm just saying. All right. I'm just saying you want to make sure you come through on Valentine's Day. And I'm telling you, you know, if you've been married for over 10 years or you've been engaged for a while or uh, you've you've had a relationship with somebody for quite a while, uh, a box of candy and some flowers only go so far. Uh, what you need to do is get a hold of Eric Coleman, my buddy, uh, the jeweler at and owner of Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, and talk to him about uh, getting something sparkly that uh, your significant other will really appreciate. Here's what you need to do. Stop by and visit him and, and check out uh, what he's got on display there, uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard right here in Little Rock, or if you like to and I think you still have time that you might be able to pull this off talk to him about doing something unique have him design something absolutely positively separate for your person that nobody else is going to have and I mean it doesn't have to have a whole bunch of uh, colored gemstones or diamonds or whatever in it you might want to do just colored stones of some type Talk to Eric. He's a man with a whole lot of ideas. He's an artisan, and he'll help you out. He's got a computer where you can design a a ring, a necklace, a bracelet from A all the way to Z. Uh, Give him a call, set up an appointment, 501-246-3655. That's 501-246-3655, but do it today because time is running out for Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Our, our guest is Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment. And, Phil, what's your website uh, for American Commitment?
3: It's AmericanCommitment.org.
0: All right, pretty easy. Uh, AmericanCommitment.org. I'd like to talk about one final thing that you point out in your article, and that is the CDC, the World Health Organization, both had pre- pandemic planning guidance the cdc said the effectiveness of pandemic uh, mitigation strategies will erode rapidly as the cumulative illness rate prior to implementation climbs above one percent of the population in an affected area the the world health organization as recently as november of 2019 In their published pandemic influential guidelines that listed, quote, contact tracing, quarantine of exposed individuals, entry and exit screening and border closure as, quote, not recommended in any circumstances, unquote. Then China, the world's most fervent believer in control, you state, and I agree with you, claimed their lockdown measures worked. And for some reason, country after country proceeded to disregard a century of evidence and knowledge of infectious diseases to follow China's lead. But did the lockdowns work? So which works better, pre, uh, you know, a pre-pandemic direction or post-pandemic or what's going on right now? You tell us.
3: Well, uh, I would have gone with the science, the Western science that we had, you know, for a century rather than the the Chinese lockdown pseudoscience. Uh, I don't know that it would have worked better in terms of the uh, disease spread. I don't think it would have worked worse, though. When you look at places like, you know, California versus Florida, I think it probably would have been about comparable on the virus. Uh, but it would have been much, much better on everything else, and much, much better on education and economics and freedom. And, you know, I, I, the idea that we would sacrifice all that we have uh, for something that wasn't actually effective at, uh, you know, what we were supposedly doing it all for uh, is really the worst part of all of it. And, um, you know, people say, I mean, the, the important and the reason I you have those quotes in there, I think it's very important, is, you know, people say, well, it worked in New Zealand. It worked in Australia. Well, you know, if you have total border control and you lock down early enough when it's very rare in the country, then, yes, that, you, you know, you can find all the cases and stop them from spreading. But, you know, we're never going to have that kind of effective border control, unfortunately. And <laughs> uh, We're seeing that now again with people pouring over our southern border uh, in anticipation of the new Biden policies. Um, and by the time we had heard of this virus, it was already widespread in the community, in the U.S. and in Europe. And so, you know, we were essentially doing something we knew couldn't work. We knew it was way too late to work, um, but we did it anyway, and we're still doing it in some places.
0: Yeah, because the, the, when they start doing this is after the disease is spreading. It's already there. For the most case,
3: you know, we probably had a a million horses were already out of the barn. I mean, it was all over before they before we even knew it existed. It was all over.
0: Yeah. The the best way of of seeing this played out is in a movie. uh, A lot of us saw here recently, not the Charlton Heston version of Planet of the Apes, but the, the most recent one. And it shows the guy that's infected with the disease and he gets on an airplane. And it shows where the plane landed and the disease starts spreading and it goes and and people are traveling all over the world. You can't control this stuff anymore. The world is a small, small place. In fact, The Lancet, which is not the most conservative uh, medical journal around, said government actions such as border closures, full lockdowns and a high rate of COVID-19 testing were not associated with statistically significant reductions in the number of critical cases or overall mortality unquote.' closed
3: that, that I think in like July or August, and we still have you know we still have places trying to do these things. yeah, I, I don't know I, it's it's baffling.
0: I don't get it. I don't get it either. okay, go to americancommitment.org keep up with Phil Kirpin. you need to do that Phil, thanks so much for joining us. Phil and I became friends. At CPAC, he would join me uh, at CPAC and uh, then join me on my show uh, from time to time when important issues came up, and I'm sure we'll hear from him again in the near future. Thanks a lot, Phil. Appreciate your time. All right. Have a good one, Dad. Talk to you later. Bye-bye now. Okay, Phil Kirpin here on the the Dave Ellswick Show. Share that with your friends. I know, hey, look, I know what everybody thinks, all right? Break through the, the illusion of control in your mind. And understand what the facts state. People who are frail, people who are very elderly, are the ones that are basically at most risk. Let's zero in on those folks and let's understand this is a mild respiratory problem otherwise. To Dave Ellswick's show, we've got Congressman Hill coming up next. That's going to happen right after the news. get into the uh, seven o'clock hour we're expecting a call here any moment from congressman french hill he'll be joining us got a lot of topics we want to talk about of course we'll talk about inauguration day because that is what today is uh then we're going to talk about well what do we expect during the biden administrations i gave you a little bit of that last hour at the bottom of uh, the first half hour about stopping the wall and they're going to get us back into the with the deal with Iran and all the other crap that what we're going to do is we get we're going to get Barack Obama 2.0. that's basically what we're going to get, which is uh, a lot of the things they're going to bring back is not good for our country. Uh, the uh, paycheck protection program is reopening. We'll talk to the congressman about that as well as big tech censorship of conservatives will speak uh, about that as well. And I understand he's on the line with us. Congressman French Hill joins us from uh, the nation's capital. Congressman, today is Inauguration Day. It's a historical day. It's a peaceful transfer of power, although I guess you wouldn't expect anything different with 25,000 troops there.
1: Good morning, Dave. It's, uh, yeah, it's 43 degrees, a beautiful day here in Washington, and you pass through three security checkpoints walking from my apartment down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol. I'm looking out my uh, uh, windows at a police car, and I'm at 6th and Pennsylvania, meaning I'm uh, about uh, five blocks from the Capitol, right. and uh, that's where the perimeter starts. So it's a massive uh operation. We're proud to have Arkansas National Guard here. I haven't seen them yet, but uh glad they're a part of it. But to me, uh, you know, it's it looks like you're walking onto a military installation. I find that depressing here in the in our capital of democracy.
0: Are you attending the inauguration today?
1: I am. I'm gonna walk down there in a, a couple of hours and uh and participate. OK,
0: so look, I, I see that as a peaceful transfer into power. Now, I'm not excited what uh, Biden is looking to do after he's inaugurated. What we're learning is that he's going to go back to the Oval Office and he's going to sign, I guess, about 11 executive uh, orders. And, and, and let me stop right there and just say, that's why I don't like executive orders. Because it, they're good while you've got power, but when the other people get power, they just get rid of your executive orders and replace them with theirs. Uh, much better to try to find some kind of compromise between the two sides and pass some laws uh, that can be placed in in, in, in those areas. But, uh, I mean, he's going to stop the wall. Uh, from what I'm hearing, if uh, you're here and, and, and you're a— uh, an immigrant, legal or otherwise, uh, if you've been here since January 1st, they're looking at giving you amnesty. Uh, DACA, they're, they're going to redo that. They're going to get us back in with this Iran deal that happened. Uh, we're going to get back into the French, uh, uh, you know, global warming accord and all of that. I mean, it's, it's a sad day coming to that, uh, Congressman.
1: Well, Dave, uh, first of all, let me agree with you on executive orders. No matter how we're doing them, the best thing for continuity is to have a law passed where both sides uh, reach agreement, and that gives you permanent policy (laughs) what really hurts American business. And I think the American psyche, as you say, is bouncing back and forth between volatile policies, and DACA is a classic example of that. A true classic example. I was very pleased yesterday, very encouraged, that in his confirmation hearing in the Senate, uh, uh, President-elect Biden's uh, nominee for Secretary of State says he is not, repeat, not rushing back into the Iran accord. I think that's smart. As you know, Democrats And Republicans in the House, in the Senate, opposed the JCPOA deal with Iran. Strong bipartisan opposition. That's why John Kerry and Barack Obama did not submit it as a treaty, as it would have never been approved in the Senate. It was a bad idea, and I hope that means that the Biden administration is back to the drawing board on iran policy and not adopting the obama policy i was encouraged by that
0: all right well we'll see if that encouragement is well placed i mean i'm i i just think look i i look at executive orders this way you're driving down the road at uh, 70 miles an hour and you throw your car in reverse i mean that's not good for the car this is not good for the country and uh You know, it's just going to lead to even more animosity and division in government. Would you not agree with that?
1: I do, and that's why I I agree with your sentiment there. I agree with the policy difference. And uh, we worked hard, uh, even in the fact that we were in the minority in the House, working with the Republicans in the Senate, to try to get policy changes in a lot of areas this year and not be reliant on – executive orders and i would remind uh, you know people who are against the, the wall is the wall is an integrated part of our border security you and i have talked about it for seven years now yep i'm very supportive of it i've made six trips along the border from california to texas people there support well-designed well-constructed uh manpower walls and electronic surveillance we want to keep a safe border. And I will tell you, that passed in the House and Senate by bipartisan votes to support wall construction. And one other point on that, because this is something you and I have spent so much time on. We've been building wall and fencing, double fencing and secure border since 1992. This is not a Trump policy. This is a Trump commitment to try to meet The policy of the United States, it's been there for 30 years. And Trump brought leadership to try to bring it to fruition.
0: So my question is this. The president is all in about stopping COVID-19. I just did a show with Mm -hmm. Phil Kirp, and I don't know if you know Phil from American Commitment, Uh, his uh, website, AmericanCommitment.org. But he wrote about this, saying that there is an illusion uh, protection in America right now, because the things that a lot of the governors are doing is not stopping this from moving the people that are most vulnerable from this the elderly and the medically frail get it and it it it's killing those folks, but the folks that are uh seventy years of age and down uh the chances of dying are less than uh you know ninety nine and a half percent i mean that I mean, it's just amazing, you know, where we're at. Do you know that for kids uh, aged, uh just according to CDC, aged uh, up under uh, age 20, their survival rate is 99.997 percent. That's less dangerous than just uh, the average flu outbreak that we have.
1: Right. Right. Well, you'll see that uh, COVID nineteen absolutely is correlated with age, correlated with health co- health condition. There are outliers, and uh, you know we're always shocked when our friends contracted and die shortly. I've lost several good friends, and it's heartbreaking from age forty to age sixty five. But right. they are outliers in this disease. And up until age sixty, you have a higher chance of being killed in an accident than you do in anything related to COVID nineteen. So i we've got to direct our vaccine policy and our safety policy towards those that they're most vulnerable we've learned that over the last 10 months i believe uh frankly that the vaccine strategy which has been criticized by the biden administration is directed in the right way which is get our essential workers then get to our in our nursing homes and our elderly and then begin to fill out the population that seems to make sense to me and uh it's ramped up after a month of getting used to distributing it during December. I think you'll see much greater productivity the rest of January and February as we get it distributed. All and right. we're going to have more vaccines.
0: All right, got to get a break in. When we come back, you and I will talk about what should we expect in the first 100 days. That's, that's what, you know, the media always ballyhoos this. What's the president going to do in the first 100 days of the presidency? So I'd like to find out what you think, and then I'd also like to talk about the Paycheck Protection Program reopening and how important is that. Congressman French Hill is with us, District 2, and we're going to continue our conversation when we return. But right now, let me remind you, cleaning your home is important. It's, it's important. Let me tell you how important cleaning is. They're, they're shutting down Walmart over on the west side of the city. And they're cleaning it, deep cleaning it, uh, to make it safer about COVID-19. Well, that's what St. Clarity Residential Cleaning can do for your home. They do a deep clean. They use, they use uh, products that uh, destroy the COVID-19 pro- uh, virus. And uh, you can make your home safe that way as well. Uh, if you want to get that clean, they can do it for you. Uh, the people that come there will make sure your home is not only spick and span but is also uh, kind of virus free for at least some time. They can't keep it there all the time. There's no product out that kills a virus and then has a half-life that sits around for you know months and continues to kill the virus. So St Clarity will take a good care of uh, cleaning your home. Now, if you want to get your house clean, Here's what you do. Uh, you call here to 404-6560. That's uh, for uh, us here at one zero one one, And you talk to Chuck. And the cost of getting a home up to 1,500 square foot uh, cleaned is $200 from uh, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. We'll sell a certificate to you uh, that's worth $200 for 100 bucks. Give you 50% off. Now, if you have a home that's bigger than 1,500 square foot up to 2,500 square feet, it's about 300 bucks, And we'll sell you a certificate that's only $150. So it's 50% off. Now's the time to jump in on that. I think we just got about four certificates left. Uh, 404-6560, the number to call. You Do it today after 9 o'clock, 9 to 5, and, uh, you can get a certificate for St. Clarity residential cleaning. All right. Looking at uh video on Fox news, looks like it's pretty breezy there in the nation's capital today. Congressman.
1: It is breezy. Uh, Marine one is en route between the white house and uh, joint base Andrews. And, uh, it's a, uh, it's a sad day for economic and national security policy. And, uh, I uh really uh look forward to working with my colleagues to continue to advance all the success that we had in economic and national security policy under this president who's leaving today. We have our work cut out for us and uh, that work starts in just a few hours. What's
0: your what's your thoughts uh, about I'm hearing from uh Congress $2,000 a month for every American? Is that real, or is that just something somebody floated out there?
1: I think they're floating a lot of ideas. I was really frustrated yesterday when Janet Yellen, who is a former chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, she is a former economic advisor during the Clinton White House days. She is President Biden's nominee to be the Treasury Secretary. Janet Yellen's a super smart, hardworking person. But she signed off on yesterday in her testimony before the Senate, oh, gosh, uh, yeah, we need $2 trillion more in spending. Uh, She couldn't explain why. Uh, uh, Senator Mark Warner, a former governor of Virginia, even disagrees, Democrat disagrees with it, saying that states are doing a lot better uh, than the Biden administration is saying. And she came out and said she's for... (laughs) a $15 minimum wage uh, yep. in the middle of a pandemic, that's going to help get people back to work? I, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. So what are you expecting during this first 100 days? I mean, we, we've we already, you know, the pipeline is going to be canceled, and we talked a little bit already about Iran, uh, Iran and we've talked some yep. about border security. What other things should we be kind of preparing and stealing ourselves about?
1: I think the administration coming in is going to center around uh, climate change. I think everything they do, uh, economic policy, infrastructure policy, tax policy, (laughs) regulatory policy is all going to be about the climate. This has been the uh, progressive left's view for many, many years. Uh, Again, Janet Yellen, economist, uh, college professor, called climate change in her testimony yesterday existential and that there's not enough we can do to stop climate change so she's willing to raise energy prices uh, raise gasoline prices make America's industrial manufacturing uh, uncompetitive I guess in that regard so I really think that's number one uh, Dave and I think it'll address uh, it'll affect every aspect of federal policy
0: Boy, I, you just ice in my veins just now
1: Yeah, the Paris Climate Accord, you mentioned that at the top of the show. Yes, Yes, uh, the president is saying he wants to go back into the Paris Accord. And let's be clear with listeners, I really encourage them, go read it. Go read it. Go look at what the goals are. Go look who's complying with those goals without it and who's not. And let me give you the facts. America has reduced its climate emissions more than any other country without any major federal mandate. We're doing it. Who has not? Europe has not. Europe is not meeting any of the climate projections. And then who are the worst polluters left off the hook, not even adequately covered by the Paris Accord that's so trumpeted? And that's China and India, who continue not only to have major carbon emissions, but build new coal-fired plants every single month.
0: Yeah, and then what do what do our uh, uh, folks here in the United States do? They try to block American coal from going to countries that can burn it.
1: Yeah, it just the circular—it's uh, really circular illogic in uh, the left's preoccupation with this uh, amazes me. I think we'll see. <laughs> as I say, I think we're going to see that fight in every committee of the Congress.
0: All right. Last uh, question that I have for you. The Paycheck Protection Program is reopening. That's good news. Uh, What can we expect from that? We've got about two minutes.
1: Good. First, I encourage people to see their local banker in Little Rock, their local community banker. They did an incredible job in 2020 getting these loans, which convert to grants to Arkansans and saved almost 400,000 jobs, uh, $3 billion of lending. If you've never had a paycheck protection for a loan in 2020, you can now get a new one. And the terms are much more lenient, much easier on behalf of the small business. Secondly, if you got one in 2020 and your business is still terrible, it's still down 25% from your 19 level, you can get a second paycheck protection loan. More information at sba.gov and see your local banker.
0: With that said, let me ask one final question, and that is uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson said that there's a schism in the Republican Party. Do you buy that?
1: You know, I really don't. I think we have a, uh, a tough time. We've lost the presidency. We've lost the Senate. But we've gained seats in the House. We're in a tough period where Republicans have got to bond together and reunite, Dave, around our conservative principles in our platform. More limited government, more freedom and liberty for individuals, equal justice under the law, opportunity for all, and a strong foreign policy and leadership in the world. That's what we've built this Republican Party around the last 60 years. We need to re. Confirm our our beliefs in our platform and move forward.
0: All right. So when do you expect to hear who's going to run for presidents? Uh, want the uh, flag, the banner for the Republican Party in twenty twenty four? Within the next couple of months, maybe.
1: I think around twelve oh one this afternoon <laughs> uh, that race starts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. I, I really am. Take care, my friend. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Congressman French Hill. In uh, Washington, D.C. Coming up after Rush at the bottom of the hour, uh, we'll have Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman from District 4. We'll be talking to him. Going to be interesting to see what he has to say. We'll talk about a lot of the exact same things that we just got done talking uh, to Congressman Hill about. Uh, because, I mean, what, if, what what is their feeling that Biden is going to do? The biggest thing uh, that Congressman Hill just said to you was everything is going to be wrapped around climate change. That means watch for this Green New Deal being implemented. Maybe not as large as AOC would have liked to see it uh, implemented, but uh, large anyway. And what does that mean for you as a, a citizen of this country? It means gas prices go up been noticing that lately yeah they're going up uh your energy prices probably will go up the cost of business will go up which will force up the cost of products that you buy it will make american industry not as competitive as some of these other countries who are not abiding by the paris uh accords so i'm just telling you uh, there's some real fights on the future about this here in our country. All right, we'll take a break. Then we'll be back. Uh, Rush is next, and then Congressman Bruce Westerman. You know, something we do here on my show is that we give you facts. We get the people on that can give you the facts. For instance, we've had Congressman Hill just on. We're going to have Congressman Westman on in just a moment. And uh, they they give you the facts. We, when we talk about roofing, I have PI roofing come in. When we talk about cars, we talk about with bumper to bumper, and, and it just goes on and on. So why, you know, you always want the facts about something. You want somebody to help you out, so why would you try to sell your home alone? You don't want to try to do that alone. I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of selling a house, but I'll tell you who does, and that's Dustin Turner. What you need to do is give him a call. And talked to him. One call changed everything for Phil and Belinda, who had been trying to sell their country club home in Maumelle for six months and hadn't even had an offer, not even a sniff. They got with uh, Dustin, and uh, they were able to sell their home because they worked with Dustin's contractors and put the home on the market, ready, set, sold. In just a few weeks, the home was sold for top dollar. So uh, write this number down or come back and listen to my podcast and get the number, uh, 501-952-2969. That's 501-952-2969. Now, maybe going online is the easier way because this is really easy to remember. dot com let uh, Dustin Turner I've been reminding you about him for several months now let him help you get that uh, the house off of your uh, your back and sold and that money in your bank account all right time to talk with uh, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman he's in the fourth district of course hello uh, Congressman how are you happy inauguration day
2: Hey Dave, good morning. I'm doing doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing I'm doing good. I was I just got done talking to uh Congressman Hill. He said that he's heading over to the inauguration today. And uh, are you going to go to it today or, or are you just kind of hunkering down there?
2: Well, I'm not going to make it to the inauguration. I had intended to go and late last week they came out with this kind of a bizarre announcement that if you wanted to go to the inauguration, you had to be COVID tested 48 hours in advance, which meant I would have had to have gone back to DC on Monday night to Uh be there early or on Sunday night to be there early Monday morning to get tested and basically just sit around DC for, for two or three days waiting on the uh, the inauguration. So I already had some stuff planned and, um, just decided to sit this one
0: out. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Congressman Hill. He said that the uh, the protect the protective zone extends five blocks out from the Capitol. There's going to be two thousand people at the inauguration. There are twenty five thousand military members now in uh, in Washington D.C. All the bridges coming into D.C. have been closed.
2: It's crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, um, all of that was building up last week when we were there. And they had uh, military vehicles parked sideways in the roads that you had to, uh, you know, stopping at checkpoints and things like that. Um, And, you know, I I don't know what kind of statement they're trying to make, but I'm not sure it's a really good statement with all the – the various levels of fencing and the razor wire on top and the huge military presence there. And like you said, it's going to be a, a relatively small cloud there or small crowd there at the inauguration.
0: Yeah, they're saying 2000. Uh, if we go back to when Barack Obama was uh, allowed uh, you know, had to be president, we voted him into office, half a million people were there. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it is definitely different times in our country right now.
0: It really um, is. Let me ask you the question I asked uh, Congressman uh, Hill: Do you believe that there is this huge schism in the Republican Party right now?
2: You know, I think there's a divide in the Republican Party. I don't know if I would call it a huge schism, but that's one of the things I appreciate about Republicans <laughs> is that we don't uh, – you know, it's not like just a herd of animals, it's not a, just a singular group think that people have different ideas and opinions and we express those and we debate them, we get upset with each other, but at the end of the day, I think we come together and work uh for those good uh conservative republican ideas that that I think unite us and that we all treasure. Well, that, that- but there is a Yeah, I was going to say there's definitely a divide there right now. Uh, people have <laughs> different opinions on the way uh, recent events have gone, and um, I think we'll get it worked out, and and we'll have some things that really unite us coming up in the future with this um, Biden Harris Pelosi administration.
0: Yeah, and that uh, this whole thing about the Biden administration, and everybody always wants to talk about the first 100 days the things that i've already heard from the biden administration is uh to run an administration to the left of even barack obama do you agree with that
2: yeah and i think you see a lot of signaling in um you know all the the wokeness and the political correctness they're they're trying to check every box on appointees and, and um you know from what i've seen a lot of it's more about um who you are, than than the qualities you bring to the to the table. You know they're wanting to make sure they've they're uh, uh, checking off the boxes for every um, every group they're trying to please out there. And th- I think there's definitely a hard pull from the the far left, the AOCs, and to leads and those group that group that's. Um, You know really pushing the socialist agenda and you know one of the mechanisms that keeps rising up that i think they're going to use to try to leverage that is this um this idea of a green new deal or Mm -hmm. what do we do about the environment and you know that's an area that i'm going to be working on really hard as a ranking member on the natural resources committee because a lot of those issues come into that committee and they're they're great at picking an issue that um, you know most people agree that we want to take good care of the environment. most people want a cleaner, safer, healthier environment, and it's hard to argue to say uh, you they make it sound like if you disagree with them then you don't want a healthy environment that you don't appreciate clean air and clean water. And that's just not the truth uh we just have ways to go about getting cleaner air and cleaner water that's not uh, using that as a political wedge to try to push a bigger agenda. So it's going to be very important that we really put the truth out there and that we uh, are prepared to debate because they've got a losing argument when you get down to the facts. But the rhetoric that they spill out a lot of times catches the headlines and makes it look like you know, Republicans don't care about uh, the environment, which is crazy because we all live here. We all breathe the air and drink the water, and we all want it to be as good as it can be
0: I agree I agree wholeheartedly with that my My problem is is if you look at what the a o c s and and the real you know tree huggers want uh gasoline prices are going to be well over three dollars a gallon. We're going to see energy prices spike again. That's going to cause uh, you know companies to spend more money to to be able to make products, which means prices are going to go up, and it's going to make our companies less competitive with many com- companies in Europe and uh, in in China and India. Uh, you know, as far as that's concerned, because they're not going to follow the Paris Peace Accords. They haven't yet. You know, we're the ones that are yeah. cutting carbon
2: emissions, not them. Exactly. And and you got to ask, you know, what are the results of the policies they're going to put in place? Who's going to benefit? And at the end of the day, the results are you don't get a cleaner environment, and it's not going to be the American citizens that benefit from their policies. And you nailed it there with, with what you are saying about the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, the... President Trump pulled us out of that, and the U.S. lowered greenhouse gas emissions more than any country, actually more than the top 12 countries in the Paris Climate Agreement combined. We lowered our greenhouse gas emissions more than all of them. And we do that through uh, innovative technology, uh, not through some kind of political environmentalism and a a government regulation. But this administration wants to put us back into the Paris uh, Agreement. And uh, this is where you have to get into the, the facts and the data, Dave. You know, of all the greenhouse gas emissions produced in the world, the United States produces 15% of it, while China's at about 30% of it. Yep. And then you start looking at where we produce that 15% from, and there's all this um, focus on fossil fuels and and transportation, which is the largest segment, but it's still only 27% of the – greenhouse gases that, that we produce um, well a lot of those get greenhouse gases come from producing electrical power and in industry and there's this that's a really shallow way of thinking about that if you, uh, if you convert all your cars to electric vehicles then magically your carbon emissions disappear but people you have to ask the question where does the electricity come from that powers these electric vehicles that's right and it comes from the from the power plant that's producing its own greenhouse gas emissions. And they say, well, let's use wind and solar. Well, you know, the, the wind doesn't blow all the time. The sun doesn't shine all the time. Um, and on top of that, we, we don't have anywhere near the capacity of wind and solar and can't build the capacity for wind and solar to replace our uh, our natural gas-fired power plants and our coal-fired power plants. Um but then you say, okay, let's look at the science here. If we want to produce a lot of baseload energy, then we need to do that, and we want to do it as clean as possible, then you got to start talking about nuclear power and and even more hydropower. We could put 12,000 megawatts of hydropower online very rapidly because there's, there's that much potential out there on existing dams uh, in our country that you could go in and put – turbine generators on, but guess what? The left doesn't like um, putting turbine generators on hydropower. Uh, they want to go tear dams out. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a spoiled kid that just stomps their feet and says, without reason, it's going to be this way or, or no way, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it very frustrating because I, w- I would love to have a, uh, a good debate on these issues and talk about the facts, and not about somebody's emotion on what they think's best, but on what actually works, uh, but uh, you know if we cut carbon here in the u s uh, and we think we're going to have some kind of effect on global uh, carbon emissions that's going to be significant we're We're fooling ourselves, and what we're going to do is drive our economy into the ground while we see other economies like China uh in Russia and you know, other ones around the world take advantage of what we're doing and just fill in the blank uh that we're leaving vacant.
0: I agree. Stay with us. I gotta take a break. Congressman Bruce Westman, District Four with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to also talk to him a little bit about making oil, the pariah out there. Well does that mean that we're not gonna make anything out of plastics anymore or you know, build a lot of things anymore because petroleum plays a huge part in that as well. We'll talk about that when we come back. I want to remind you about PI Roofing. They're out to uh, take good care of your roof. You know, the best way to take care of your roof is preventive maintenance. And PI Roofing does that. All you have to do is uh, make a call to them at uh, 707 seven oh seven thirty five 707-3551. Or go to them at piroofing.com. The best way to make sure no leaks start is to have someone from PI Roofing get up on your roof, walk across it. If they find a soft spot, that means the wood's starting to fail. need to have that replaced so that you don't end up with leaks because the way a leak works is that the water gets through the shingle and through and through the uh, felt and then through the wood and then into your into your house and through the uh, insulation and then finally into the drywall and starts causing all kinds of problems. By the time it gets to that, man, you got some major problems you got to deal with. Don't wait till that happens. Let one of the professionals from PI Roofing uh get on your roof and tell you if You need to have something done, and do you need to get it done now? All right? They'll be happy to come out and do that and and let you know. So uh, they'll follow all the COVID-19 protocols. You'll be safe uh, as far as uh, COVID-19. They'll be safe from it as well. It's 707-3551. That's your number or piroofing.com. All right, back with you as we finish up our conversation with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Finish up our show here on Wednesday on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, Congressman, I wanted to say thanks for uh, agreeing to appearing on the show every week now and uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show from 7.35 to 8, because there's going to be a lot of issues now over the coming months uh, that are going to be something that we want to talk about. But let me go back and, and, again, stress the point that the people who hate oil, the people who want to you know, cut our, our production uh, uh, you know, availability and things of that nature, oil is going to be a, a major part and a component of our economy for many, many years, if not decades, even a century from now, in making plastics and everything else. I mean, nobody talks about that. It's not just about cars.
2: Yeah, and first off, Dave, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to come on every week. It's an honor to <clears throat> to be on your show. But like you said, oil is uh, it's used for a whole lot more than just uh, you know to refine it to gasoline and and diesel uh, to power our vehicles. There are thousands of consumer products, uh, you know, plastics and other things that come from um, <clears throat> from petroleum distillates and. Although there's a lot of work being done on replacements for those, and you know some stuff that I'm excited about because there's there's scientists out there looking at how to use cellulose from trees to make um, plastics that are biodegradable, which are all great things uh, as we look to the future. But that technology is not uh, here yet, and when you start talking about just you know carte blanche stopping all oil production, and I believe this administration is going to take that position. I know they've already had hearings on stopping all uh, future oil production on federal lands. Uh, you know, the, the uh, folks in the Middle East aren't going to adapt those policies. And when we uh, stop producing oil here in the U.S., the foreign markets and uh, the foreign producers in uh, Russia and the Middle East they're just going to crank their wells open even more uh, because they know that society has to have those products that come from um, from oil production. Yeah, and, and, and we
0: put ourselves at, at
2: their bidding again.
0: Why would we want to do that?
2: That's, uh, you know, we don't want to, but there, uh, the current administration, the current majority in the House and majority in the Senate, uh, does want to do that It's crazy. and I for the life of me can't figure out why they would want to do that uh, we can be leaders we can come up with uh, new innovations and new technology and we can let market forces work uh, and you know I've, I've made this argument all along that the stronger your economy the healthier your, you can make your environment and you know go to a third world country and look at the environment there and if if that's not a, a testament to how uh, a strong environment and a or a strong economy and a healthy environment go hand to hand, I don't know how else you could illustrate it. But this idea that we can sacrifice our economy and it's somehow going to make our environment better is is flawed logic. And uh, the left has bought into it, and they're like a you know a bulldog on a rope, hanging onto it. So uh, we've got to develop the arguments and come in and have the debates and show that there's a better way. And that's what I'm prepared to do as you know, the, our Republican leader on the Natural Resources Committee, where a lot of these debates are going to happen.
0: Well, we've got uh, a lot of time in the coming weeks to talk about this. We appreciate you joining us today. Enjoy your uh, Wednesday in Washington, D.C. Or You're not in Washington right now. You're at home right now, right?
2: No, uh, yeah, I'm headed up to Washington later, but uh i'm not there right
0: now all right well don't don't try to go downtown I, it'd be hard to get there that's just the way it's going to be
2: well there's and they've got all the all the restaurants <laughs> and everything's closed down so i need to pack some granola bars when i go okay
0: all right we'll talk to you later <laughs> congressman you have a great one thanks for being with us we look forward to talking to you in the future here on the dave Ellswick show he'll be with us now every wednesday seven thirty-five in the morning to uh, keep us up to date on what's going on. Something to talk about in the future is going to be, are there any Democrats? I mean, the, the, the separation between Democrats and, and Republicans very, very, very slim right now. Are there enough Democrats that are willing to buck some of their uh, leadership to keep some of this stuff from happening? That's for future conversations here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, J, uh, uh, JD, and uh, JR, JR, pardon me, and uh, Seth will be with us in the first hour, and then we'll be talking to Joe and Duck about your cars. That's up by 6 a.m. tomorrow. See you then.